We are so glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much in you and through you, and we would love to hear about it. Would you send us an email at shannon at hectorfirst.com to tell us your story? You can also go online and give to this ministry by going to hectorfirst.com and clicking the Give tab. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy the message. Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 15. The book of Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. Luke chapter 15, begin reading in verse 1. We're going to read... The first seven verses, and then we're going to skip over to verse 11. All right. Now the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbling, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And so he he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Verse 11, the parable of the prodigal son. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided the property between them. Not many days later, the young son gathered all that he had and took, with, took a journey into the far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. And so he went, with, and, so he went and hired himself out to, the, to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your servants. And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. and Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. 
This was my son, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and he came, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to them, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. And his father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you. I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never, you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when, this, but when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost. And is found. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the scripture that is enlightening to us. That every, every word, every syllable, every letter, every punctuation, point, mark. Lord, it is there for our benefit. Lord, it's for us to better understand, to, to apply to our life. God, I, I thank you for our fathers that are in this place today. Those that are here in person. Those that are watching online. Lord, I pray that you would just bless them tremendously today. Let them feel your presence. Let them feel your anointing. Lord, let them know, Lord, that when they leave here today, that they are loved. They are loved not only by their immediate family, but by this church family. But most importantly, Lord, they are loved by you. I pray that you would just move across this sanctuary, wherever our dads are today, that you would just keep your hand of protection on them and bring blessings to their home. Lord, we praise you. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing and for the honor of the reading of the word this morning. Father's Day, sometimes it's a, it can be a sticky day for some. It's often said that, that the way we view our earthly father plays a large role in how we view our Heavenly Father. As a, as, as a result, many, many picture a God who is physically and both emotionally distant. Some of us, it's not that way. For some it is, for some it's not. But however, today we're going to look in the Scripture, we're going to see the some examples, as even in the ones that we read, that, that God is there and he has constant care for us. He has constant love for us. And he is constant present in our life. His example shows that the greatest gift a father can give is to be fully present in the lives of their kids. The world would want to paint a picture or, or, or it does paint a picture of both uh, financially, or let, let me let me rephrase that. The world the world would paint a paints a success over people's lives in terms of both wealth and possessions. But 
shows us that to be truly successful, to be a truly successful father, those are the ones who invest in the lives, not only in their kids, but in their family's lives. As I said, it, you know, we, we talked about it in Mother's Day. It, it sometimes can be sticky situations. Sometimes it, you don't have a good past with your earthly father. It can be tricky, especially when you're, when you're delivering a sermon, when you're preparing to, to, to deliver a sermon that God has given you, but you don't want to, you don't want to offend anybody. Uh, you, know, you don't want to bring back any hurt memories. or you, don't want to, you, you have all these different things, variations, bearables that you, that you take into, or maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just my story. Maybe it's just my life and the things that I think about. But regardless of how great or not so great our earthly fathers are, one thing for sure is that we have a heavenly father who loves you and me extravagantly. More importantly than anyone on the face of this earth, we have a heavenly father who loves you extravagantly. He is a father you can approach at any time. Has there ever been a time in your life when you needed advice? Maybe it's just me. You need direction? Who do you call? There's somebody in your life that you call for direction, you call for advice, you call for substance, you call for when I'm feeling bad, there, there's things in my life where I, I need help answering, then I would have loved to have called my dad. But see, my story is different than yours. My story is completely different. Everybody's stories are different. But there were so many times in my life when I wish I could have just heard my dad's voice. For whatever reason, I, you know, God know, only God knows the reason. But I know that I have a heavenly father. If I need device, advice and I can't, I can't go to anybody, I can go to the Lord. In James chapter 1 verse 5, verse 5 it says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. And he will give it to you, and he will not rebuke you for asking. So if we need wisdom, we can, we can ask him. It's scriptural, right? Our Heavenly Father shows no favoritism. I don't have, my kids are, I don't have a favorite. Now, them growing up, Ethan would probably say I did. But I didn't. I loved my kids the same. They're, they're different. I love them the same. I, I know that the Heavenly Father does not show favoritism. How do you know, Pastor? Let's read Romans chapter 10, verse 11 through 13. It says, and the Scripture tells us anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. Jew, or Gen Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He's not going to say, well, you can be saved, you can't. There's no favoritism. He loves one just as much as he loves the other. He died for one and all. 
This is the heavenly father that we have. Scripture also tells us repeatedly throughout the Bible that he will never leave us and he will never abandon us. Right? That's what kind of heavenly father that we have. That's the kind of God that we serve. That's the reason we're here today is to celebrate Father's Day and we honor our Heavenly Father as well, right? He never leaves us. People are going to let you down. I'm sure Ethan would probably say, don't you answer this. Me and you can talk after church, but he would probably say, I might have let him down sometimes. And you're, you might have the same feelings about your father. We don't, don't look at anybody. Don't say anything. Zeke, I see him cutting in my eyes over there. You see, those things that we're human, we're flesh, and people let people down. But our Heavenly Father will not and will never let you down. Never let you down. In the book, in the, book uh, the Prodigal God, written by Timothy Keller, one of today's premier theologians, a guy that, man, just has all just wisdom just oozing out of him over Scripture. And, and this, this guy, he, he, he writes this book, The Prodigal God. And, and, and as I was reading this article about the, about the book, it made me scratch my head. But he says the word prodigal does not mean wayward. Now, the, I would, that's what I thought. I thought the prodigal son, you know, when we refer to the prodigal son come home, you know, when we refer to somebody in the world, you know, well, so-and-so son, come on. That's not what it means. Prodigal does not mean wayward. Where we got that, or maybe it's just the context of the story where we label that. So we, he says, he, in, in the dictionary, this is where I had to go and look it up just to make sure. But it says, according to Webster's Dictionary, it means recklessly, spendthrift, or having or giving something of lavish scale. So when it talks about prodigal, it's actually the dad's, from the dad's point of view, referring to the son that he lavishly gave him everything, generously gave him his part, the prodigal, the one that was receiving this. I had to look it up. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, God was not, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not reckoning to them their trespasses. Some pretty heavy stuff. In this story, he, he goes on the right, he says, in this story, the Father represents the Heavenly Father Jesus knew so well. We know that the prodigal story is a parable. Jesus is showing, he's showing us that we, the God, great adventure who is nothing if not prodigal toward us. You get that? Do you follow me? He's giving us everything lavishly, giving to us, generously bringing blessings to your home, generously giving you. He gave his son to die on the cross so you could have eternal life. Prodigal God that we serve. I begin to look at this story in a total different way after coming to the understanding of what it really means. Beyond the scripture, beyond the cross, 
beyond the resurrection, God shows us presence and his care for us every single day. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the moon, however you want to see it, say it, from uh, 365 days, 24-7, all that stuff, God is reaping blessings upon your soul, upon your life. Heaping, not reaping, heaping on you. God might always, have you ever prayed and asked God for something and you didn't get it? It's probably because you didn't need it, right? You ever thought of it like that? God's not going to give us everything that we want, but I promise you this. He will give you everything that you need. Now, I know you, everybody's looking at me today. You got, I got white shoes on. These are my Father's Day gifts from my kids, from Ethan and Lauren and Megan and Caleb. And they... Well, these are pretty special shoes. They're pretty cool. They're pretty cool. These are, now I'm going to tell you what they are, and you may not know what they are. They're Adidas Sambas, but they're the Yoda edition. Does anybody like Star Wars? So let's check this out. On the back, you see that? It's Yoda. I may not get what I want, but I get what I need. On this, on this side, it says do or do not. On this one, it says there is no try. It's Yoda. We may not get, I've never even seen these before. You see, I didn't have a desire. I didn't have something that, of want for these shoes. But my kids thought I needed them. It's the same way with our heavenly Father. There are things in our life that we don't have any idea about until we receive it. And God says, you need this in your life. You need a heavenly father. You need this person in your life. Shannon and Susan, you needed Ethan to be born on September the 28th, 1995. You needed Megan to be born on April the 8th, 1998. You and you and you, God knew that you needed those kids in your life. He knew that you needed to be whatever the date that you were saved. He knew that you needed to be, be, be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues on this day. He knew what you need. Not necessarily what you want, but what you need. That's the kind of God, I promise you, you will always, always get what you need. Amen? Always. Even when you don't know it, He knows. He knows. I had no idea that these shoes even existed. There was no want from my side. You see what I'm saying? But somebody else thought I needed them. And I am grateful for what I received. So beyond the scripture, beyond the cross, beyond the resurrection, God knows what you need. And most importantly, 
It can't save you. It's him. It's him. All the, through, through Luke chapter 15, it's devoted to the lost and the wayward, the sheep and the son. Jesus, he uses these two parables to reveal the heart of our heavenly father toward his children. In both of these parables, the shepherd and the father are fully aware. They're fully aware of and, and how to care about those that have walked away. Those that were put in their charge, they're fully aware. Whether those, whether those things that they have received responsibility over, their charges, whatever, present or absent, obedient or disobedient, whether they're walking the line or whether they're walking outside the line, they know what's going on. Their hearts are always turned toward that one that was lost. That one, that, that one is lost. The 99, I'm here, I'm with you, but there's one missing. The prodigal son, the one that, was, that, that left, I, I gave him everything uh, that was due him. And, 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 but it's the way, I, the way I read it, the way I understand it, it was almost like the father was constantly looking for his son to come home. Our heavenly father is constantly watching for those that are walked away to come home to come back to an altar, to come back to a place of repentance with him. Because the shepherd is present and mindful. Because the dad was always present and mindful of what was going on. The dad, he watched for him daily. What happened when, when, when the son came home? What happened he saw him. He didn't sit there, well, I'll go, I'll go do this chore while I'm waiting for him. He's still coming. I'm going to recognize him from a long ways off. How? Because he knew him. I want you to get this. This ain't in my notes, but this just dropped in my spirit. He knew him. Maybe by the way he walked. Everybody has a walk. Right? He knew him by the way he carried himself. There was something that knew that he had in the pit of his stomach, in his soul, in his spirit, in his mind. He said, that's my boy. And he's coming home. He didn't sit there and wait for him to arrive. No, it says that he ran to him. He ran to him. He threw his arms around him. He said, I'm so glad that you've come home. I'm glad that you've returned to the house of your father. I'm so happy. I'm so excited. How many of us, we have lost friends and loved ones, family members that are outside of church, outside of a relationship with God? And the father is constantly watching, constantly looking and waiting for them to get up from wherever they are. doesn't have to be into a sanctuary. Maybe it's to meet one of you. 
because the Lord has spoke to you to give him the word. Come home. Come home. He's constantly watching. Then the after that one that comes home, comes back, says he pursues his older son. He pursues his the one that, that had been there all along. The one that had, had been there, that had rejected him, he, at that point in the evening, he comes back to, to, the, to the property and he's asking the servants, what's going on? Why is there a party going on? And I wasn't invited. Your brothers come home. Immediately, anger wells up within him. Immediately, there are feelings of hatred. There are feelings of, of disownment. I don't want anything to do with him. And he brings that toward his father. I'm not going in. I'm not. How can you do this? I have been here the whole time. I have not left your side. And the dad says, I know. (laughs) He says, I know. He says, but son, everything that I have is yours. It doesn't matter what he done with his part. He's come back home. But everything that you see, everything that you've been a part of is yours. You see, you and I, we have to watch our spirit, watch the way we, we, we communicate with God and those that are around us. Because when somebody comes back to the fold, it doesn't matter if they've hurt you in the past. It doesn't matter what they've said. They've said, oh, they, they talk about me. It doesn't matter. You with me? It doesn't matter. We cannot hold that feeling within us and know that we're going to make everything right because the Father's constantly saying, Son, daughter, everything you see is yours. Get your mind off of that and focus on what is yours, what's always been yours. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says, Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction to the Lord. You may say, Pastor, what does that mean? I don't know. Don't, don't, don't provoke your children to anger. Well, let me, let me put it to you this way. Fathers, don't frustrate your children with no-win scenarios, but take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. It's a pretty big responsibility. Even if you don't, even if you're not a, a father yet, there are people that will always cross your path that you will be a father figure to. Just as God revealed himself to us through Christ, he shows us how we should walk with the Lord. So that earthly fathers should build up and equip the children that are around us. It's a big responsibility, isn't it? It's a huge responsibility. When you start thinking about, okay, how am I going to act? How am I going to react to this situation? Ephesians 5 and verse 8 says, For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children. 
Walk as children of light. So when something bad happens, when you smash your thumb with a hammer, are you a children of the darkness, child of the darkness, or are you a child of the light? Praise Jesus, I just hit my thumb. Said no one ever, right? Give God the glory. Things to think about. The men that are in your life, the fathers that are in your life, the fathers-to-be, the generations that are coming up, they're watching, they're learning. I don't know who sings it. I don't even know why it just comes in my head, but I, I think it's a country song. I, I don't know. I'm not, I don't listen to country music, So, but something about when I grow up, I want to be like you, Dad. You're fixing to see who listens to country music. <laughs> There's something like that. When I grow up, I want to be like that. They're teaching us, and we always end up mimicking the man that is in our life. Now, I have had the privilege of having two awesome dads. My dad, Herschel Pruitt, Herschel Wayne, that I lost at a that we lost at a, at a very young age. Very young age. I just turned 13. That wasn't fair, right? It's not fair. I don't understand. I don't have to understand. I just have to trust the Lord. My mom, my mom eventually remarried and, and married Larry Bilbrey, who, who was a great father in my life. No, he wasn't my biological dad, but he, uh, he was a dad to me nonetheless. I've had the privilege of having two in my life. On top of that, I've got grandpas and, 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 and uncles and all these other guys that have poured into my life. We end up mimicking or, or yeah, I guess that's the word, mimicking those that we receive from. Today, if you're struggling with where you stand in the sight of the Lord, and inside of those that are around you. I want you to remember that he, he risked all and gave all because of his desire to have a full and complete relationship with you. Friday, Friday I, I, I went, to, uh, went to the hospital, visited Brother Bill Blalack. Randall... Brother Randall was there, and they, I mean, we, had, we had a pretty good conversation. We talked about a lot of things. But Brother Bill said this thing, said something that, that has stuck with me ever since I left that hospital room. He said, that's my friend. Talking about his son, Randall. That's my, I don't know if he said best friend or if he said just friend. He said, that's my friend. That's my friend. That's my buddy. And I know that, I know that when it's raining and, and, and Randall can't drive logs, he's at his dad's house. And I, I went by there before, and they've been watching old westerns or uh, old, old TV shows. And that's what they do when, there's, when, when they can't be in the woods. 
But to have a relationship with your earthly father in that way, that's pretty special. To refer to your son of, uh, I mean, Brother Bill, he's 86, 87, 83. Sorry, I didn't mean to add years to him. But, and to have a son that is close to him, that he knows that he can depend on, knows that's going to be there when, when, when he's not feeling good, to know that he's going to be there to watch something with him, to pass the day. It's pretty fun. That's pretty special. I remember, I remember the time building up to Ethan coming back to the States after he graduated high school, 2014. And I remember having all these emotions. He had no idea, but Susan did, because I wasn't the best person to be around. I wasn't. I, th- there was some heaviness that I was feeling because I knew, okay, Ethan was 17. 18, 18, and I'm fixing, we're fixing to take him on an airplane, take him back to the United States, and we're going to basically kick him out, and we're going to get on a plane and go back. And all of these things, all of these emotions, he's 18 years old, he's barely learned how to drive a vehicle, he's never been on a date, he's never done all these things. You know, as I begin to think about playing all these things, he's 18. He didn't have a smartphone until he was 19. And I begin to, all these things begin to overwhelm me. And my biggest fear was, and Susan would tell you, because I would sit outside and I would cry my eyes out because I would say to her, have I done enough? Have I done enough? Did I do my part? Was I a good enough dad? Was there something else I could have done? All of these emotions were weighing on me, and it was tearing me up on the inside. I remember coming home. Now, we didn't just kick him out. He lived with my mom and and Larry. He got a job. He wasn't all bad, but to me it was. And I remember we got on the plane and we left northwest Arkansas. We landed in, I think it was Dallas, that, that trip. We landed, we were walking from one plane, one concourse to the next, and he calls me. And he says, Dad, this is the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. And I'm thinking, for you? What about me? I'm the dad. I'm the dad. Because it's my responsibility. Training him or, or equipping him to be a good man, that was my responsibility. And my heavenly father, it's a big responsibility that he chooses each and every one of us, not just us that are in here, but everyone that walks on the face of this earth, he takes that responsibility upon himself so much so that he sent his son to die so that he could live a life on this earth to train us, to equip us, so that when he did have to leave, that we would have the know-how 
to continue to worship, to continue to love, to continue to be Christ-like in the world that's soon to hate him. It's a pretty big responsibility. But he's God, right? But we have a part to play in all of this. We have a part. My example, your example is something that our kids chase after and follow. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For our sake he made him sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become righteousness of God. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says, Having the, this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equally equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the cross as our praise team makes their way back this morning God will continue to seek you out I could give story after story example after example this morning Before we left Ecuador, one of our, one of our, one of our closest friends, a guy he actually worked for us. His name was his name was Guillermo. Somebody called him Guille. His wife was expecting, and it was the last few months before we left, and she gave birth to this beautiful little girl. Guillo is. The only son in a, in a family of, I think, I want to guess, six girls. He was looked to as a spiritual leader in his home. Most humble guy you will ever meet. His daughter was born. He came to Pastor Shannon, Pastor, I want you to be my daughter, God's daughter. That's a pretty big thing in Latin culture. Pretty big thing. They brought, they, they brought us into their family and treated us like family. Of course, we did the same to them. He's like a brother to me. But he would always refer to me as his pastor, as his spiritual leader in his life. And he would always ask me questions. We would go to the job site and he'd pull me and say, Pastor, what do you think about this? And he would sit there and he would cry over the scripture, cry over the relationship that we had. He'd be so excited when we would come back to the States and go back. And he would, he would just, I missed you so much. I mean, it was just one of those big emotional crybabies. If he's watching, he doesn't understand. But if he could understand, he'd be laughing and crying at the same time this morning. Just a very gentle guy but people will always look to you they may not be your blood kin but they're looking and watching because you're an example in front of them 
You're an example to the lives of those that are put in your charge. Just like the shepherd with the 99 that is there and one was gone. The shepherd knew the importance of just that one. I'm going to chase it down and find it. Then he said he put it on his shoulders and rejoiced as he returned. Then he threw a party. And the prodigal, the dad, the dad was constantly watching for that one to return. Doesn't matter if you're at your best or even at your worst. Romans 7, Romans 5, chapter 5, verse 7, beginning there, it says, Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though some though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. This is good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were yet sinners living in sin. And since we have been made right in God's sight, by the blood of Jesus Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. That is our Heavenly Father. That's what kind of God we serve. And I'm going to close with this. If you would stand with me all over this place. do something for me. If you're a dad this morning, would you come and stand across the front of this sanctuary? If you're a guy, if you're a guy, if you're a, if you're a guy, come. I, this is not an altar call. Teenagers too. Come on, guys. Look at this. <laughs> this is good stuff. I'm going to I'm, I'm going to give you a charge today. But the apostle Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 through 16. He talks about as the members of the body of Christ, it is our privilege and responsibility to support the men in our lives. Each one of these guys standing in front, of, in front of us this morning, they had a guy in their life. They have a man in their life. And they've got men coming up behind them. Not just men, but young ladies as well. It's a big responsibility to support the men in our lives as fathers and as brothers in Christ. It takes courage to ask for help. Trust me, I know. I know. It takes a lot of courage to ask somebody for help. But if a man approaches you for prayer, for accountability, for advice, promise me today you will not turn them away. Won't turn them away. 
If it exceeds your ability, consider whom to point them to. And if needed, make an offer to introduce that person to the other. When we become known, this is, I want us, I want you to get this. When we as men of this church and of this community and our communities, when we become known for our care and our support of those that we are in contact with, we become a safe place. We become a safe place where others can come to share their needs and ask for help. In the time that we're living in today, there are so many things in our world that are stealing and robbing our young men. Not just our young men, us, our age. We've got pornography that's there. We've got drugs. We've got alcohol. We've got adultery. We've got all these things that the enemy is using right now to rob us. To rob our generations. But you, today, here in front of us and in front of the Lord, will you receive this charge that if somebody reaches out to you, that you will not ignore that. If you need to set up a time to do breakfast every week, do it. Every other week, you need accountability do it. It goes along with everything that we do as a church. Yes. You're the church. You're the man of God that you have that God has placed you in that life. Don't forget that. So will you receive this charge today that I will not neglect those that pass my cross my path. If you would, would you bow your heads? Church, would you, ladies, this is our leaders, our spiritual leaders of our homes. Can we pray over our dads, soon-to-be dads today? Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I pray for every single one of these men in this place today. Everyone, Lord, no matter what they, their, their lot in life is, no matter what they do for a living, God, I pray favor over them. Your anointing to go before them. That your presence and your spirit would rest on them. Give them words. Give them wisdom. Give them what you know they need to have. These younger ones that are coming up, God, let their... Their fathers, their, their ones that they look up to, let them, let them learn the ways of God and lead them. I thank you, Father, for every single one of these men. As they accept this charge today, that they will not neglect any one person that crosses their path. doesn't matter how old they are. It doesn't matter how young they may be. You, Father are in control of every single one of them. And Lord, today, I give you praise. I give you glory for these men. I have learned so much from them, so much. 
Lord, continue to use them in the lives of those that are around them and, and let, allow me, Lord, to, to learn from them. Never let me neglect any one person that crosses my path. It's a responsibility, Lord, that I hold very dear to my heart. Father, move, I pray. Touch me today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give our dads a hand of applause this morning? Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. You may be seated this morning.